Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. I feel great. Uh, I think there's been a lot of good games now, and uh, I feel like the team is playing or is playing well uh, in front of me, you know. The results are not what we want, but, um, you know, from my perspective, I feel like we've been pretty solid defensively, and, that's a, you know, it helps my game too. It's nice to hear someone say they feel great. I feel great too. It's Friday. Happy Friday. Happy birthday, Dylan Cousins, Marty Baron. Will he get his first as a 23-year-old on Saturday afternoon against the Blues? I sure hope so. I mean, uh, you look at Dylan Cousins and he... He wants to produce and he puts a lot of pressure on himself. And there has been some some periods of times this year where it's been good. And there's been some periods of time where it hasn't been good. But uh, happy birthday, Dylan Cousins. 23. He's still only 23 years old. I think of what I was doing when I was 23 years old. And uh, yeah, I was like backing up Dominic Hashek basically that one season. And, you know, there was still so much unknown to my game and what I could do. Um, so we don't have that much unknown on Dylan Cousins. We know that he can be a really impactful player this year. It's been hot, cold, hot, cold. It hasn't been where he wants to be, but there's still a lot, a lot of time for Dylan Cousins to uh, be the impactful player that we want him to be. Do you believe he has appeared faster in recent games? And by that, that can mean moving the puck, but also moving the feet. What have you seen? Um, yes, I, I believe that he, so there's two things when we look at speed, there is actual let's race. Like you and I put our skates on, let's start on the goal line. Let's see who gets to the end of the, uh, the, the rank faster, 200 feet. Let's go. And there's quickness in playing, um, and quickness in moving the puck. Uh, and, and I feel that early in the season and still now at times the Sabres as a team, they slow things down. They slow mm-hmm. things down. They slow things down, which I don't think Don Granado likes it. And I don't like it myself because I'm like, okay, why are we slowing things down? Um, but when you see Dylan skate and his head is tilted forward and his, his legs are powerful and he's crouched down like he's really, really good when he gets low, then it's a big difference. And then he moves the puck quickly. And a lot of that was Okay, the com- the comfort level that he had with Quinn and Paterka. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it helped him gain more of that confidence. Now Quinn is gone, so he still has that with Paterka, and they did with Benson in the last game, which was great. Hopefully that keeps going. But I do feel that there's a, a quickness that 
he's gained now that he had all last year. He didn't have in the first half of the season. There doesn't appear to be much in the way of potential changes here to the Lions as they get ready for the Blues at 1 p.m. tomorrow. Remember, the game's not only here on WGR, but it's on ABC. Um, I, I guess the challenge would be for Tage Thompson, right? Um, this wouldn't surprise anyone, but in the quest to have balance and because of injuries, you know, you've seen Tuck moved off of the line. Yeah. Opozo is up there and they're not getting as high of an expected goals for percentage per game with that than they were when Tuck was there. Yeah. But it's a double um, unfortunate situation in that it's coinciding with Jeff Skinner trying to work his way back from injury and he hasn't looked the same. So that's kind of why I identify Thompson here for you as far as what Tage can do to try to bring them along and maintain a Tage-like level here. Um, yeah, so when I look at the lines and I'm thinking, okay, I do like the middle stat Greenway Tuck line for what they can do. Is that going to mean that and Tuck is going to have, to have a somebody like a score yes. or somebody? Yes. That, and the size on that line is, is significant with mm -hmm. Greenway and Tuck. And I think Casey has played really good. Uh, not only, um, you know, in the middle of those two, but on the wall, getting pucks, getting the help from Greenway and Tuck whenever it needs. So I do like that line. Is it going to bring Tuck to the, to the scoring level or the points total that he did have last year with Thompson and Skinner? Probably not, but they're a, a really solid support system line that, that can give you that extra boost, right? And now you got Cousins and Paterka and Benson, I think, can continue their playing that way. Unfortunately, what you, you, you hit a bit of a rut is, okay, Skinner coming back from injury. Thompson, Kevin Adams said on the pregame the other day, Tate Thompson has had to deal with injuries all season long now mm -hmm. you know he looks better now um but it's still you know when you have skinner that's working his way back from injuries and you have caloposo who's you know, cal as as an abilities in itself that can be valuable but i don't know that they fit the thompson skinner line in mm -hmm. the way that they play so now you you're you're taking a step back right so wouldn't it be great if I don't know if you had that that extra winger, right? That that extra person, and maybe it maybe it's through you know your system, right? Maybe it's Roseanne, Kulik, uh, Rusek, whatever that could come in and give that line that boost. Um, being with Thompson and Skinner, I it's it's unfortunate. So you kind of always hit that. Oh, there's like there's a pebble in the in the rotor that that keeps getting stuck. Yeah, it's a, it's one way to put it. That's actually how I felt yesterday uh, on my blades zipping around LA here <laughs> you, you know when people say uh oh it's like a that's that city's gritty you know yeah yeah yeah. it's true here it's very gritty <laughs> it's 100% true it's no. sand it's all the sand grit and then some there's just but I did you know amidst my travels I eventually found like a newer kind of bike lane through the city and I only sampled it, so I've got a lot of miles to go here today. To Can I tell you a, a, um, a quick story, rollerblading-wise? We used to rollerblade in the summer around the Gaetan Boucher Oval, oh, right? Wow. That's a, yeah. a famous speed skater, Canadian speed skater in, in Quebec City. And in the summertime, it's just cement. So you could rollerblade on this big oval, right, for long track speed skating. And I had the crappiest of rollerblades and it would take me like so much longer to do one lap or to do two laps. Like all my buddies would go and that was our training. I'd be exhausted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they told me, look, 
your wheels may be a little too tight, which makes it hard to run, right? So loosen them up a little bit and maybe they'll roll better. So I take a couple of wrenches and I loosen them up and I'm like, this is great. Like I'm feeling good. Well, I wasn't even a lap in or whatnot. I lost, lost two wheels. Wheel. <laughs> <laughs> because they got too loose. I lost like literally one skate. The front and the middle wheel just came right out. Well, that's terrifying to lose the front one. And I, when I was on on kind of standard four-wheel blades, I yeah. lost a wheel when I was out and had no idea I lost it. Oh, that's no. How crazy. Yeah. Um, but I've I've since gone to faster three-wheel blades. They have bigger oh. wheels and they're faster, but that also makes it far more challenging trying to stop in a very hilly <laughs> Los Angeles. So anyway, enough of that. Um, skating is important. That's the key message here. Whether it's you know uh, maybe Dylan a, Cousins has gone to the three wheels fastest uh, fastest blade, but it's hard to stop. So that's yeah. the thing. <laughs> so we we've got Sabers and Blues tomorrow. Buffalo remains ten points out in the East. St. Louis, of course, is right there in the Western Conference. Five teams just packed in right around the two yep. wildcard spots. We'll talk to Shana Goldman about that and a lot more at the bottom of the hour. The Amherst, it's Pride Night tonight in Rochester as they are hosting Syracuse. And of course, if we're talking about standings and how one or two games can really change the picture of the North Division. Certainly that's the case here for Rochester as they get set for this busy weekend that starts tonight at 7.05. You can go to amherst.com slash promo to learn more about tonight's Pride Night. And of course, we're talking about, you know, the development and you referenced, Marty, like maybe that next winger to add a scoring dynamic here for the Sabres comes up from the Amherst. Obviously, Nathan Page has been there as uh, an assistant coach all season, and he's joining us now to give us a little more insight into the team and uh, what's straight ahead. I Nathan thought you were going to say Pacer has been there as a winger, as a center, as a defenseman. <laughs> the only thing he hasn't been is a goalie. That is about <laughs> and at it. times he tried. At times he tried. <laughs> that was just me falling down in front of the net. <laughs> oh, man. Nathan, you you had a, it's great to see you, by the way. Thank you for this. Um, you obviously um, have been with the organization again for a while and certainly in a development role and then now as an assistant coach. Um, how how do you view, you know, kind of um, how these kids take that next step? And not like, because now like you're, you're hands-on in game, you know, on the bench with them, as opposed to trying to teach them the habits in their development to become a pro. What's that been like? Oh, it's been, it's been amazing. It's just to be able to work with some of the guys that I work through development. But I think one of the biggest transitions you'll see with a lot of young players is they're coming from Europe or a college schedule and the grind of a pro hockey season. So it's keeping that mental side, keeping them sharp, keeping their bodies, taking care of their bodies, what it takes to be a pro day in, day out. And it's an adjustment for a lot of the younger guys and it takes time. And unfortunately we have an amazing group of young prospects, uh, just great kids to work with too. So it makes our job a lot easier. Now, from the time that you were playing and, and right now as a coach, when a player gets called up, I, I I remember myself in Buffalo, like when I was in Rochester and somebody would get called up thinking, I hope I get that call up next, right? But it was a goaltending situation, so it's totally different. But when a winger gets called up and you're a winger on the team or a defenseman gets called up, like Rand Johnson or Kulik or Roseanne or whatnot, Brett Murray got called up. Do you sense that there is that added, like, oh, I want to be the next guy? Like, is that a feeling that you sense as a coach? Because I'm sure you sensed it as a player when guys used to get called up and you're like, I want to be the next one there. 
Yeah, that's the drive it takes to get to that next level. Obviously, it's a step going up to the NHL, and everybody wants to be there. That's the best league in the world. Uh, but the group is so tight down here, too. They're all so excited when somebody gets called up. Obviously, they want to be that guy. They want their name called. They want to go prove that they belong up in the NHL. But you see, anytime one of our guys gets called up, there's genuine, enthusiastic uh, approach from everybody else on the team. They're excited for him. They go up and watch if they can, or they're all watching on TV. They're cheering on their teammates. Nathan, do you think um, the I think I would say it's normal now. Um, the videos that we often see before the game, right? The reading of the lineup, whether it's a player, whether it's a special uh, person in the community getting an opportunity to do it, and then the post game videos where you see somebody getting called up or somebody being bestowed player of the game by their teammates. Do you think this is really, really like? comfortable now for today's generation of players and it just I don't know it's just a it's a new way to view these players because it's in the room and we never used to see this kind of stuff yeah it's just an energy and apps does a great job creating that culture he's built in the last few years and it's it's a tight group down here and that's why they've had success the last few years and you can feel that before and after the games and I'll say this, the one thing coming from player development back into coaching uh, being on that bench being in that locker room that that energy that you get after a game or before a game, there's just nothing that replaces it. And as of being back on a coach and being in the locker room after a big win, there's just that feeling of group togetherness that something was accomplished. So you just can't replace it. How bad is that Eagle head head smelling right now? Every time somebody wins it, they put it on their heads and it's sweaty and it gets carried on the bus and in the bag. And I like, how bad is it smelling? I'm not putting that anywhere near my face, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not putting that thing on, but I'm hoping Steggy or Carl, somebody's cleaning it between, <laughs> between uh, a couple of trips to the, the dry cleaner or something. Oh, yeah, because guys are just right after a game, fully sweaty. Uh, you know, as a goalie, you sweat even more, and then you throw that thing on after. It's. I'm hoping they're sanitizing it. Uh, no question. Hey, what, um, I, I don't, I should know this, but I don't know if Novikov has been bestowed that uh, beautiful Eagle head yet, but I'm curious, uh, what you have thought of, uh, of his game here in his first year in North America. Well, he actually did. He got it after the game. He got scored his first goal. I don't know yeah. if you saw that one, a nice little jumping on the play. The one advantage I think he's had over a lot that he played in the KHL the last two seasons. So he's played with men at a high level and you can see he's comfortable playing with men. He's still extremely young. The pro hockey is difficult for a 20, any 20 year old defenseman. It's probably a greater transition than usually for a forward and goaltending maybe even longer as Marty knows it. Those positions take a little more time and he stepped in and played a big role for us. And and the encouraging thing is, is he's gotten better every day uh, from the start of the season to now he's playing a bigger bigger role the last probably three four weeks he's been excellent on the penalty kill you know really taking pride in in that side of the game and that's where you see him moving forward and you know that's his path to the NHL he's six three six four he's a big defenseman and he's got a long ways to grow physically too because he's so young and when he keeps putting on muscle you know there's a lot to work with there and He's, he's an amazing kid. I mean, smiles, fist bumps. He's just a great teammate. The boys love being around him. And he's got that kind of enthusiasm about him, that young energy that guys gravitate towards. Yeah, I think he is uh, a very, very well-liked player. And I can't wait to see him in Buffalo. Here's the problem. 
He's a left shot defenseman. <laughs> and we have Darlene Power, Samuelson, Ryan Johnson. Like we there's a ton of left shot defensemen in the organization. Um, does he play right? Does he feel comfortable on the right side? Um, and and, and that's part one of the question. And Pacher, second part is does it matter? Right shot, left shot. I still think it matters. I've talked to a lot of defensemen that say it matters. Some people say people say it doesn't. What do you think? Does it matter? Three lefty, three righty, try to balance it out. Well, he's comfortable playing. He's he's very good on his backhand, making backhand passes. We've had him primarily on the left side this year. We, we're yeah. fortunate we got four righty D-men right now, so we're capable of doing that. But, Marty, you remember my rookie season with you in Buffalo. We won the President's Trophy, and six of our seven, and basically seven of our eight D-men were lefties. So, yeah. obviously, it worked. It depends on on who it is. You remember Tony, I mean, he was probably the, he's better on his backhand side because he had that backhand flipper. So it's about who you have. You got guys like Dolls and OP who are so talented that I think they're pretty comfortable playing on their offside and they're moving around. The game's changed too, where demon are so active in the ozone that you're switching sides. You got to be able, no matter if you're left shot, right shot, to be able to play both sides any given time because it's a five-man attack now it's not just a three forwards and a d-man two d-man in the ozone we talked to connor clifton about that uh you know on this show and he mentioned to him that the options were easier to see on transition being on the right side of the ice so what is the biggest challenge to develop if you are a defenseman playing on your offside is it transition is it offensive zone is it even like going back to get the puck in the corner what's the biggest you you put your player development hat on and and think of what's the biggest challenge uh, and thing to work on for those defensemen playing their off wing that definitely transitions the most difficult part because if you're skating up along the wall you get kind of trapped and you don't really have that cross ice pass if somebody takes a good angle so that's some work and we work with guys just jumping quick in transition trying to get off the wall and not painting yourself into the wall because if you get trapped on your back end it can be difficult and then guys here what I one thing I've worked on with a lot of our guys is being able to make that quick bump pass on your back end there's just no time and space to it used to be the old school mentality d-man get it on your forehand all the time get it on your forehand don't make a backhand pass and that's just there's no time for that anymore mm-hmm. you have to be able to just, make a backhand pass just as well as you make a forehand pass. So that is something we've actually specialized and worked with the D-man, you know, on splits at the end of practice, sometimes before practice, just getting guys comfortable to retrieving those pucks. Because even if you're playing your strong side, how many times does your other guy stand up and you're getting that puck on the opposite side on your backhand? You have to be able to make that little play. Nathan, it's funny um, how the game has evolved and we can now describe you know, the mid twenties guys as veterans, <laughs> but you have many of those defense. I mean, I think back to training camp this year and through the preseason games, and it was a long time before the Sabres made their decisions. You know, they were carrying 10, 12 guys on the blue line in the preseason there. Um, and so you've had Stillman and you've had Clegg and Davies and Sikoni and guys like this, like how, how hard is it for you to manage them and their expectations at this stage in their careers because they're not they've not given up on on the dream of getting back to the nhl here no i mean that's the job in the ahl that's what coaches are here for we're trying to get everybody back in the nhl our job is develop whether it's a 19 year old an 18 year old or a 30 year old just make them better and hopefully transition them into nhl players that's that's what we're here for and working on anything we can work on with those guys at the start of the year we had a lot of d-man down here and had a bit of a rotation and that's we had some have difficult conversations and keeping those guys engaged part of it in the line that we can 
and it's difficult. And you see a guy that's been in the NHL for a while, then he comes back. The AHL is a different league. It's there. It's a little more chaotic. It's younger. Whereas the NHL is probably more structured. You're playing more games, less practice. The fortunate thing with the HL, we have more practice time. So we can really, you know, narrow in on those things that we see these players need to get to that next level. So fortunately for us, we get that extra reps with these guys of anything that we think is holding them back from getting back to the NHL. Home and home with Syracuse. Um, do you guys like those back and forth, uh, you know, playing the same team? I We used to play Syracuse 12 times. We used to play like Albany 12 times, Hamilton 10. Like it just, at some point you get sick and tired of it, but playing them in back-to-back nights, right? Home and home, that was always fun. How uh, how do you see it as a coach? Is it easy to prepare because you don't have to do double the video and double the, the pre-scout? <laughs> It's actually the coach's dream because uh, <laughs> and then you're going to watch the game over after anyways and get your clips and then it's automatically built in for the next night. So it's almost half the work. So, but it's going to be a battle. We got Syracuse 12 times this year and Utica 12 times. Yeah. And those are, they got older teams, heavy teams, and it's a, it's a test for our guys. And we know every time we play them, it's going to be a battle and we have to be ready at the drop of the puck. Goals aren't going to come easy. They, they have a big, older decor for this level and it's a good test for our younger forwards to have to get in the inside and play against those guys that you'll see more at the nhl level a lot of bigger d-man and it's harder to score so it's great for their development to play teams like that and you know it's it'll be a good test for us tonight i think i saw levi is going tonight right how has he been he's been great he's been excellent uh since he's come back he said He had, uh, we lost two one to Syracuse, but he played great. And we just couldn't find a way to score. Like I said, it's going to be hard for us tonight. And then, uh, back in his hometown in Lavelle, he, uh, he, we won, uh, three, one with an empty netter, but again, yeah. another solid start. He's just looked calm. His angles are, are, are spot on, you know, he's covering rebounds. He's, and he's, you know, he's Levi. He's happy to be here every day. He's got a great personality, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's he's been great typical. Habit. I can't say typical French guy because he's technically not a French guy, but typical Quebec guy. Just happy to be there. Just <laughs> yeah. Put me in the crease. Let me play games. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, um, I know we don't really talk about uh, this player um, as a prospect per se, because he's not signed to a NHL deal yet, but what, a, and you mentioned that rotation at the start of the year. Uh, how would you describe Zach Metza and just how he has, uh, become a, a full-time pro yeah well, i mean there's a reason he was a captain of a national championship team his work ethic and attention to detail every day he comes to the rank every day planning on getting better and he's done that it was like all these other players college schedule is different and turning to pro is different and it's it's difficult for a guy at his size he's got to be that much better it just is what it is when you're a defenseman if you're undersized you've got to be Your pass has got to be on. You've got to be able to break out pucks. And as the season's gone on, he's had some big games for us. And unfortunately, we lost him for the last game. He was hurt blocking a shot. Another thing he's been really good at in the penalty kill, blocking shots. There's no fear in his game. Uh, but we'll have him back tonight, and I'm excited to have him in the lineup. He he brings an element, and he just has that winning pedigree to him. There's, mm -hmm. you know, winners win, and he's just one of those guys. How's the three on three game going coaches versus players? You guys got a lot of bodies. So I'm sure there's uh, some uh, high end competition, intense competition after practice. Well, Marty, we got a four game win streak on the coaches side, but <laughs> I, you'll love this one because you played with them. Vinny brought his gear back from Tampa a month ago and he goes full <laughs> gear. 
He's got the full <laughs> gear on for morning skates, buzzing around for the game. <laughs> you would love it. You got to come watch at least once. Uh, oh, I got to go down for a morning skate and check it out. I, I, Vinny Prospo is one of my all-time favorite person. Uh, and it just like, just because I sat next to him in the locker room in Philly when he first got traded there and in New York and, uh, he is sneaky, funny. Uh, but yeah, I love him. Yeah. Oh, Great he brings stuff. it. It's intense. There's a reason we're on a winning streak. He goes to the yeah. net hard still. He wanted, he had to get the gear on cause he was frustrated. He couldn't crash the net with no gear on. <laughs> Amazing. Well, continued success, Nathan. Thank you for joining us today. <clears throat> All right. Thanks guys. Good seeing you. Nathan Pate, uh, Amherst assistant coach, and we talk about where they are in the standings and uh, we'll reassess on Monday after this uh, back-to-back with Syracuse. The Sabres are home on Saturday afternoon. That's tomorrow at 1. The Blues are in, and we started the show with uh, Dylan Cousins' birthday celebration. We want you to celebrate Sabretooths tomorrow. First 5,000 kids in attendance to receive a Sabretooth pillowcase. And there will be, of course, kid-friendly activations through the afternoon. Visit sabres.com slash tickets to purchase yours today. Marty. How old is Sabretooth? Because when somebody turns, you know, 30, 40, 25, whatever, yeah. I always like to go back and see, oh, what were the movies, the music that year, this, that, the other thing. But I can't do that with Sabretooth. I don't know. Is he 100? Is he 80? Is he 30? Like, what? Like, when's, wasn't Sabretooth originally, like, brought in for the Bandits? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think he was brought in for the bandits because he had the orange and black, right? He was very orange and black. And I think he was brought in for the bandits and then transitioned over to the Sabres and it just took off. Like he was the saber tooth tiger, right? I He's think a product that's of the grunge era. Oh, a product of the grunge era. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very nineties. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I want to say that as on his bio, whenever they do the all-star game, uh, you know, bio with the mascots, it says age unknown. So I, I'm on a mission to find out how old, how many candles do we need to put on Sabretooth's cake? <laughs> well, I think, uh, this is a terrible segue, but, um, when you mention age, I can only think of Alex Ovechkin and he's now a talking point because he's hot again, Yeah, but guess what? The team can't win when he produces. So I'm very curious about this dynamic and what it means with the Capitals who have lost six in a row and what will they do at the trade deadline, which is less than a month away. I suppose from a Capitals standpoint, this is a, it's a good case scenario that even if the team is floundering, people might still be coming to make sure they watch Ovi on a regular basis. Can he get to 20? Can he get right. to 24, he, sure 25? Well, I mean, he's scored in three straight. I, I'm going to guess 25 now that he's convinced me that I was wrong mm-hmm. a month ago. But you're you're not 100% sure. But this is all part of the big picture NHL discussion, which is coming up next with Shana Goldman, who has uh, had her byline in a very, very impressive place of late. That's next here on Sabres Live. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Started the show today with birthday balloons for Dylan Cousins. I feel like we should have something celebratory for our uh, regular correspondent here on Sabres Live from The Athletic, but also The New York Times, Shana <laughs> Goldman. Hello, Shana. Hi, thanks for having me. We have a nice screenshot of, uh, yeah, The New York Times, uh, are you getting royalties from uh, appearing in the Times? <laughs> no, but at least this time my name's on it. Because the last time it was like a preview and we were all pumped and it just said the athletic staff and it was an instant like, which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, give us a quick overview of just kind of what your article was there and how excited you are to be having your work, especially, you know, for the women's game here being shared on a really, really, really big stage. Yeah, it's um, like a monthly vibe check on the PWHL, which is something I do for the men's game. And it's fun taking things we do for the men and applying it to the women. Like you want to see that equal coverage. And for me, this is what I do. So I like that I can apply it. And I mean, it's a challenge because the data is different, but we have so much access to video thanks to like how they stream things on YouTube and archive them, that mm -hmm. it makes it so much easier. But it's just looking at what's going on in the league, like the different point system, the 3-2-1 point system. How would it work if they had the NHL's point system? And, you know, looking at players thrive, like Grace Umwinkle, we all questioned her for Team USA. Can she go up against top competition or can she only dunk on bad teams? And I love that we're seeing her show like, no, I am a superstar. So it's just giving a nice monthly look at it and something I'm going to keep doing throughout the season. Okay, cool. three to one point system. I'm a huge favor of it. And people say, well, it doesn't matter. If we take the standings for the last 10 years and we apply the three to one point system, there's barely any changes. But I feel that you play the game different with five minutes left. If you need the three points and you're in a two two tie, that maybe there would be a change in the standings by just the mentality to approach it. Has the game been approached different late in the game uh, because teams, maybe it's too early in the season, but needing, needing that three points and pushing for it late in the game? Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see that more like take effect in the second half of the season when yeah. the playoffs are on the line. But it, it brings up a great point because if you can just win the game and not push it to overtime or you can protect your lead a little bit more, I think it's just going to keep teams on their toes a little bit more. And I love that with this 
with this league, we're seeing bolder takes like the jailbreak goal, like the three, two, one point system to, to look at the game a little bit differently because we can all look at the men's and women's game and go, well, this is how they're different. And this is how they're similar, but adding different rules now, you know, I like that we can keep applying it back and forth because even if it's menial differences in the standings, it's still a difference, right? If we're talking about teams that look at the, the Toronto Maple Leafs because everything affects the Leafs, you know, look at all their overtime losses or their overtime wins this year and, and yeah. saying like, should this team really be considered a contender with this point system? Maybe they wouldn't be. So maybe if the Leafs can give us enough the next couple of years, we can really push it because if they're the team that this is going to affect the most, that's how we get change, right? Well, the Islanders would fall into that category as far as a team that goes way beyond regulation and an awful lot. And uh, last night they didn't need it. They uh, torched Tampa and, uh, you know, improved to above 500 under Patrick Waugh. Um, when you look at where they are in the standings, they are certainly in the mix. What are you, because you are such a staunch <laughs> uh advocate Islanders. of discussing the islanders more than any other team <laughs> that's not named toronto um what uh, what do you think could happen here with mm -hmm. the islanders after games like that where you know whether it was poor goaltending at the other end or not uh this team needs to believe that it can be a far more offensive team than what we've seen yeah I, at the end of the day winning is going to build confidence it's going to bring the team together especially after any vibes in the locker room could have been like shaken with because you had a coaching change because the players might've felt responsible for being the reason for a coaching change. I think that it's always good to get a win, but I think you just have to know why you won and why maybe you almost didn't win. Obviously you're going to look at a six, two game and think that's it. That was a great, that was a great win and an important one in the standings. And it is, but you need to look below the surface and go, was that that top notch win? Or can we keep improving below the surface? How many teams get distracted by the win that they don't improve along the way? So you can't get stagnant. But I think for the Islanders in this like transitional period, like we don't know how much a head coach can truly change systems in season, right? That it helps to have training camp. And they're going from playing, you know, zone defense to man-to-man, -man, which is something that Patrick Waugh had in Colorado as well. You're making those adjustments. And I think that we could see teams lose games, like at the Oilers in the beginning of the year, when they make those changes. So if they can collect the wins now, then when the season, you know, the, the systems take hold more so in the next couple of weeks and months, you know, if you built yourself up enough of a cushion, it's going to put them in a position to succeed down the stretch. So I want to say the expected goals yesterday in that game were in favor of Tampa. Like it was a 6-2 Islanders win, but I think it should have been like a 3-2 Tampa Bay win. Uh, Jonas Johansson gave up six, should have only given up two. Um, John Cooper, I love John Cooper. And Coop sometimes will text me out of the blue, right? And uh, he actually bought a mini uh, Sabres goalie helmet, uh, Marty Biron signed at the Sabres game last time they were in here. It was a silent auction, put his name down and purchase it. Well, I don't know if he did, but he sent me a picture of it. Like he's fun like that. I love him, but he totally blew it last night. Why are you not going back to Andre Vasilevsky, even though it's back to back situation? Like you just lost Sergachev. Don't put more on your team that you're mm -hmm. down one defenseman. Like use your all-star all-world goaltender in back-to-back -back situation like this. He totally blew it. Um, and, and we had that conversation about Uko Pekalukin and the way the schedule is now. He's good. He's hot. Roll with the guy. Um, I know we talk goalies all the time, but did you, do you agree with me that John Cooper blew it by not playing Vasilevsky against the Islanders? Yes. I understand <laughs> not adding too much wear and tear on your goalie, right? Because you expect Vasilevsky to be in net down the, down the stretch when they need those wins. And it's going to be a tight playoff race. We can see that happening already and into the playoffs. But is a goalie in the playoffs going to say, no, I can't play a back to back? 
Absolutely not. And Andre Vasilevsky knows what it takes. You might think that it's a little bit tough coming into it after a break, after time off. Maybe that could, you know, raise the injury risk to it. And I understand that argument too, but you want to give yourself the best chance to win a game. You didn't win the night before you only got a point. Now you're going into the Islanders and you need those points above them, even if you're not in the same division, because that wild card race is so important. And you have Detroit still in the mix and you're going to have Pittsburgh trying to climb the standings. Mm -hmm. Every point matters so much for them against, especially against an Eastern Conference opponent. I would have given my team the best chance to succeed. And I get it. Johansson's start to the season was good. He gave them everything and more to open it. And then right before Vasilevsky came back, you saw those numbers trail off and they haven't really normalized since now. It's kind of what you would expect from him that mm-hmm. I would say, go Vasilevsky here. If at a certain point, maybe on a Western swing, you can give him two consecutive nights off, go off and do it and go with Matt Tompkins one night and go with your hands mm-hmm. in another. But like this, I think was the moment to just ride your starter until you can figure out what to do on your defense. Capitals have given up a ridiculous number of goals here in the six-game losing streak. They've been outscored 28 to 13, but incredibly, Ovechkin is hot in the midst of all that. So what do the Capitals do at the deadline um, based on the fact that they are, well, they're clearly now trending to an area where most people thought they would be this season? Yeah, I think you just have to be honest about what the goal is this year, right? Like every team wants to make the playoffs, obviously, but realistically are you trying to make the playoffs or are you trying to get Ovechkin to that milestone mm-hmm. if the answer is the latter you sell you can do what you did at the deadline last year and bring back young pieces like Erasmus Sandin to kind of build the future of the team and still accomplish that you're not bringing in someone who's not going to play the game for four years you're bringing in a young NHL caliber player for right now so I think that could make sense for them again I think the problem with them was last year they had this great retool on the fly. I think it was the best thing that they could have done. And then in the summer, they turned it into nothing. You have all those assets. Yes, you want to drive some players mm-hmm. too, but you need to turn that into something more tangible to have that quicker turnaround. So I think that there's a way to kind of like to kill two birds at once, try to get younger, try to help for the future, but also keep uh, Ovechkin in mind. And anybody that's, you know, NHL caliber right now, like a Pacioretty, like a, you know, Anthony Mantha, if you can move him, you try to sell because they're not doing enough to help you anyway. Okay. Uh, the Calgary Flames won in New Jersey last night. Uh, they were one point back of St. Louis in a wild card spot. Uh, St. Louis has two games in hand. They're two points back of LA. LA has three games in hand. Now, I did the numbers this morning. The Flames are on pace for 85 points, and they're just a point out of the playoffs. That's crazy low. They they traded Lindholm. They traded Zadorov earlier in the year. They probably are going to trade Tanev and Hannafin. And then comes Jacob Markstrom. What do you do with Jacob Markstrom? He has two years left at $6 million. Do you keep him and hope that your turnaround is a lot faster? Or do you trade him, get a boatload for him because New Jersey needs a guy and they just saw him last night? Um, what do you do with Jacob Markstrom? Sell. Absolutely sell. I think sell. The, yes. Yes. The Flames need to be realistic about where they are, too. Like, it, you look at their last 10 games. Yes, they're 6-4-0. But you look below the surface, and I'm not impressed at all by what they're doing to make me think that this is a sustainable playoff caliber team. And if they make the playoffs, you're going to get a first place team. Is that Vancouver? They're going to wipe the floor with you. Are you going to get Colorado? Are you going to get Dallas? I don't think that this team is poised to do anything but get a mid-round draft pick. So I think you have to tear it down to a point. And with Markstrom, yes, you might hope that you're going to be good in a year or two. But realistically, do you want the last two years of that contract and to bet on that? I'm not so sure I would because we don't know enough about how goalies age. And I think that you need 
one game breaker that's going to bring back a haul for you. The Zadorov trade, I was underwhelmed with the return. The Lindholm deal was fine, but realistically, what are you going to get for a rental? The same is true with Tanev, if you can keep them healthy till then. And then you have Hannafin, who they're going to hedge their bets that they get a lot back because this is someone they're going to want to send to a team where he wants to extend. But realistically, teams that extend players immediately after trading for them don't get extra for them. It doesn't work that way. So... I think that you need to to really go bold to make this work. And I think he's the player you trade to bring the most back to push out this process quicker. Well, tomorrow the Sabres see one of those five teams in the heart of this wild card race in the Western Conference. I think it's amazing how you look at L.A., St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, Seattle, all mm-hmm. separated by just four points. And Shana, like to me, they all feel distinctly different here like the kings were expected to be really good but didn't spend on goaltending st louis has made an in-season coaching change nashville's in a transition time under new general manager and barry trotz you just talked about calgary who are also in a transition time with a new gm and seattle is still in a honeymoon phase in the nhl but they've already made the playoffs once and they should be absolutely i think going for it and trying to cultivate that winning tradition of like we have to be in here on an annual basis. So what do they all do as we get close <laughs> to the deadline? Yeah, it's it's so interesting how different they are. And the one thing they share is they're all pretty mid. And they're all probably right. going to end up with either a mid-round draft pick or a first-round exit. So you kind of have to just figure out what works for your franchise. If you're yeah. Seattle, you're a team, I think, because they've they've added so many assets in their short time. You look at year one, how they just kept building and building and building. Um, their team that if they wanted to keep Jordan Everly as an internal rental without a plan for, you know, like let things happen when they happen in free agency, if he stays, he goes, whatever. You're in a position to do that. You're in a position to just go for the playoff run and go for that experience and see maybe if they can, you know, strike it again like they did last year. They play a different style than all of us expect to see. You know, the results this year haven't been as good as last year. It's not surprising their shooting percentage is low, but if they can get a more stable shooting percentage, and some more stable goaltending, which Joey Decord's been giving them enough. I mean, why not go for it? I think if you're Seattle and try to disrupt things at at the least, you get experience out of it. And I think that's going to be good for, you know, Maddie Beniers and maybe for Shane Wright. The Blues, though, I look at and I say, you got to figure out something. You have to rip off the Band-Aid. And it feels like this is a conversation for a couple of years. Mm. Um, and I, it's more than the it's it's more than the coaching. The defense is so flawed because you have so many no movement and no trade clauses there. Yeah. You have five players with active no movement or no trade clauses that you're really boxing yourself in. That, so you have to look at up front because it's not going to be easy to move one of those defenders. I if I'm the Blues, you rip off the Band-Aid and move someone like Pavel Buchnevich. Is he your best forward? Yeah, but are you going to get the most back room to push this process along? He's one of your most movable and valuable assets, so I think you have to do it. Even Mm -hmm. if you look at their last 10 games, it's great that they're winning, right? 6-3, I think, in their last 10. But you look below the surface, and those games are an outright disaster for them defensively. And Mm -hmm. a coaching change isn't going to help that, and adding up the deadline is not going to do anything either to thread the needle. Yeah, Bennington is helping them. Uh, a team that's a disaster, but on the other end of the ice, can't score. The Jets can't score. What's happening with the Jets that they can't score right now, Shayna? Five losses in a row. Yeah, that's a weird one. And it's not like last night they were terrible against the Flyers. Like, they were fine. It really, like, you look below the surface, you're like, I guess it could have gone either way. You know, Philly's actually a better team than we all expect them to be offensively. But for me with the Jets, I- I've had my doubts about them all year, right? Like, and then I finally say, okay. Maybe this team is actually good and we should be talking about them in a positive light and this happens. Um, 
I think that they need to just figure out how this top six is going to work with everybody healthy, with Ehlers in the fold, with Connor, with Velarde. And that's going to be a test for them. I think that they should make another addition or two at the deadline and they can afford it asset wise and cap wise. So that's going to, you know, help things out if they don't have to shelter that third pair at all. Like, I think they're okay. I don't think it's a bad thing to go through this as long as it's a quick thing, not the Kings and that whole 17 games. (laughs) Exactly. I just, my biggest issue with the Jets is I know they have good defensive structure right now. And I know you see it on their blue line, how they can expose the top two pairs and then shelter the third Mm -hmm. pair. They have so many defensively flawed forwards. And I think adding Sean Monahan to the mix, add someone else who can expose you, that that would be my biggest question. I would still want to see another forward addition if I'm them. Yeah, problem for the Jets. I mean, they have only four goals in this five-game losing streak. Is it's almost the inevitable correction period. They went eighteen right. two and two, and then you have to live with the dip. We just saw it with Seattle. We've seen it with so many teams, and it's probably short term, but it it's very magnified right now. The crazy part is is that whole division. I mean, the Central is arguably the best division at the top end, right? But Colorado's now lost three in a row. Yeah. You know, Dallas uh, didn't look great against Buffalo, and then they lost the next night in Toronto. But anyway, it'll sort itself out. Uh, Shana, any more um, surprises for us here? Any other bylines we should expect to see your name in? Uh, like, you know, Time Magazine, anything like yeah, that there we on go. the horizon? So. Nope, you'll see my usual scattered thoughts all over the athletic. And if we get lucky, we'll see a couple slip in where they could, you know, at the times. But we're... <laughs> we're uh, a one publication for like 99.9% of the time. Yeah, well, give it time. That'll change dramatically. Thank you, as always, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. Shanna Goldman from The Athletic and The New York Times and a whole bunch of other places if you look closely. On the <laughs> Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. <laughs> We're back after this. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. I actually, like, I have never... Uh, Skated on a lake my entire life. We're not skating on a lake, though. Huh? It's not on the lake. It's not on a lake? No, it's beside lake. No! Yeah. I thought it was on Lake Tahoe. We... No! Take, I didn't even know. You take a take. For real? Oh, you just crushed my dreams. <laughs> Happy birthday, Andre Burkowski. Still teammates of Pierre Edward Belmar, but now in Seattle. Crushed his dreams. Crushed his dreams. Crushed his dreams. Is something crushing you? You have a little anger to Yeah, vent well, here? you know what? I, we're going to do birthday. Joe Pesci is 81. Great in Goodfellas. Great in My Cousin Vinny and other movies. Home Alone, uh, Lethal Weapon, whatnot. So that's 81. Amazing. But what's crushing me is, and this is not hockey, but I woke up angry this morning when I didn't realize last night was the NFL Awards and DeMar Hamlin did not win Comeback Player of the Year. Like Joe Flacco played five games this year yeah okay you weren't playing you came back you played you played well the guy had a a a cardiac arrest last year and he played this year and and he's not comeback player of the year like are you kidding me like i i'm just baffled by the whole thing more on one bills live 
on that exact topic. I want Tasker and Brownie to go off. I want, I'm going to tune in and I want those two to go right off. So what you're saying is I hate your guts to whoever made that decision, right? Well, there's 21 of 50 voters that voted for Hamlin number one. And then there's 29 people that are like- That was my segue. Your part is done. I hate your guts. The new single is out today. Our colleague, Addison Logan, has her first single out. It's available everywhere. It'll be available on Apple Music later, but it's out on Spotify and all the other platforms, YouTube and all the rest. And she's performing at Milky's tomorrow night. So make sure you check it out. We are so proud of her. Yes. Great, great single. And uh, it's a perfect way to lead you into the weekend. You know, her side by side with new Noah Khan music. I love it. I'm here for it. And we'll see you on Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.